What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Wednesday show. Um, want to do a cold open, and so don't know how long this is going to be. I'm, not, I'm just going to not try to make it too long. Um, but there was a lot of sadness uh, this past weekend. Unfortunately, sometimes that's how it is. Uh, we had the passing of two important figures in my life. One was Kevin Conroy. Uh, you guys know him very well. He is a lot of people's quintessential Batman. And he's the guy that will forever be associated with the voice. Uh, and just to give you some background on Kevin Conroy, he went to uh, acting school in New York and he graduated and um, he started to act and wasn't really getting the roles he wanted. And um, his manager said, Hey, have you ever tried voice acting? And he said, you know, no, I never. And he said, well, uh, somebody wants to have you come in to talk about some voice acting. He said, sure. Um, <clears throat> those people were Paul Dini and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name for life for me right now. So it's in my, it's, it's literally the name, like the, the words are in my head. I can see it, but I can't say, can't say it right now. I can't for some reason. That's how it happens. But <clears throat> um, they were putting together Batman the Animated Series. And so... Um, they asked him, hey, what do you know about Batman? And he said, oh, yeah, I know about Batman, you know, the 1960s car, uh, show. And they're like, no, 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 like, but, but what, who Batman really is, not the satire of Batman. He's like, oh, I, I don't know, you know. So they broke down to him, you know, what they wanted, and they, they felt he could do it. And so they had gotten Mark Hamill aboard and some other people, et cetera, et cetera. And so he did it, and then he said that um, he it was his idea, actually, to be the one to have two different voices for Bruce Wayne and for Batman. Two distinct different voices. And so <clears throat> they were just like, oh, really? Maybe that is a good idea. He's like, yeah, let's, let's try it. And the rest is history. And we got probably the most influential comic book uh, series for TV of all time, as far as cartoon wise um i would I, I know some people i i think the way most people would have it is it would be batman first x-men the animated series or, or spider-man number two more than likely it'll be x-men and spider-man i'm in the minority um, x-men was always more of an influence for me but to me the thing that batman had over it was it was better constructed as far as the support of the network and for those of you who don't know, X-Men Animated Series had so much uh, just backlash and things they could not do. Like, I remember vividly watching when the show was out and it was, air quotes, no air quotes, no air quotes, and it was live. And um, I remember vividly just, like, watching part one of the Phoenix Saga, and then the next week it'd be something completely different. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? And... Turns out, like, and this is a story for another time, turns out this network interference. Batman and the series were, they were winning Emmys. Freaking Emmys, you know? And once it was over, he went on to play the role again in many, in various roles, in various uh, titles. Uh, Batman and, uh, uh, the, and, and the, I think it's like Batman, Batman, New Batman Adventures and Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and um, the Arkham series of video games. Like, like his standard will never be touched and so um 
he and I remember first time I, I remember I was at New York Comic Con in 2018, and they had a panel with uh, Batman the Animated Series because I think it was a 28 or 28 anniversary or whatever it was, and um, uh, he came off as a very humble guy, you know. But I didn't really know, no, I just didn't think anything about it. Then I heard him on a podcast. I think it was the uh, Michael Rosenbaum podcast. And just hearing more about his background. And you could tell he's super appreciative of everybody who's a fan of his. And then fast forward, I don't remember the exact. I remember, I remember meeting him at Atlanta Comic Con. I don't remember what the year was, though. But I remember it was funny because I knew I was going to Atlanta Comic Con at a booth. Uh, and um, they said he was going to be I was like, holy crap. And I remember me and Alone in the Dark were like, we got to get him to sign something. We got to. And I was a little concerned because I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to get, get away for that long to have him sign something for my booth. And so I talked to a friend of mine. And he's like, no, nah, I'll watch your stuff, you know. So I just happened to be in a comic book store one day. And um, I saw this. Batman, the animated series, Batman and Robin with the bat signal in it. It just looks so badass. Like, wow, it's cool. I said, I should probably get that. Then I, then I looked to my left and I saw this Batman, the animated series, Mass of the Phantasm set with Batman and the Phantasm. I was like, oh, crap. So I took a picture. I showed Alone in the Dark. I was like, yo, these are dope, right? He was like, man, those are, he's like, those are dope. He was like, honestly, let's go half. And I was like, okay, cool. So we bought, bought them both. Went half. He actually kept. He he. he his is the uh, bat signal. I kind of regret. So I only regret it because at the time I was trying to find the Batmobile for Batman Animated Series, and this was impossible to fucking find. End up seeing it, bought it, and I also have an option to get the fucking Batplane now. So that's it's gonna be a birthday gift for myself. But like, I, I kind of regret it, but I don't regret it because having the Phantasm was so cool. Anyways, I go there, he comes out full of energy and full of life, saying, he came out, he got on top of a chair, it's like, I am the dark, I am the night, I am, like, just riling up the, the fans, and I remember saying, man, this guy's loving his fucking life, you know, and then talked to him a little bit, actually, a picture of, of him. I think I put my picture on Instagram, actually, with me, I don't have many pictures of myself, but I think the one, I have one with Nash, and I think, I, I think the one I put, I think, I could be wrong there. But uh, it was super cool. He was talking to everybody, and everyone just was having a fucking blast. And, like, even though he had a long line, like, everyone was just talking, having a conversation. It was just, he was very humble, very appreciative, you could just tell. So, um, yeah, man, uh, a lot of people are hurting the thing about the past few days. Um, but, yeah, I, I appreciate the things that he did as far as just making, and not just, embracing the character and and making it his own but taking all of us on this journey with this character and and showing how important it is to i know when i saw that because that that whole atlanta comic-con thing was an entire experience it was a it was it was this is gonna be this is gonna sound dramatic but it was life-changing for me everything that happened that weekend and How do I put this? It, it, 
it was I, I I saw a lot, but that when I saw that the way he was at his age and at that time he was probably sixty something still it wasn't that long ago maybe two years ago, seeing how excited he was it changed my mood that weekend because I wasn't in a good mood that weekend for several reasons I won't get into but that's important to embrace what you're doing enjoy what you're doing he didn't know anything about this character and he fell in love with it and made it his own that's just he was born to play Batman so. Uh, that's one thing I want to talk about. The second thing I want to talk about was James Harrison, a very important figure in my life personally. Um, called him dad. He wasn't my dad, uh, biologically, but uh, myself, Jonathan Esther, um, Cole Conscious, a lot of you guys don't know who Cole Conscious is, unless you follow me from the, pre- the previous show. He's the one who actually spun off and we their own show called Why Repent and We'll Do It Again. But essentially, that's his uncle. And um, it's Jonathan Esther's stepdad. Um, but I remember being young, really young, knowing knowing Jonathan Esther, and um, and I, I don't remember, I don't remember the first. Matter of fact, I'm lying. I actually I'm I was about to say a huge fucking lie. First time I actually met Dad. So, it, it, believe this or not, it wasn't me. But we it was me, Jonathan Esther, and two other people. Decided to take um, his mom, Jonathan's mom's car for a joyride. And so they end up getting into an accident in it. And, and we're all in it, but they get an accident, accident with it. And I remember like me and one other dude that was in the car. I think Jonathan Esther was the one driving, if I'm not mistaken. He gets into an accident. Me and the other homie just dip. We run, right? <laughs> and so. Um, we all came back and we ended up driving the car back and hoping that no one would see, you know, what it was. We could barely see. This was a night. And so I remember um, dad coming out and he's the one who pointed out the dent in the car or whatever, which obviously Justin Esther paid for. But I remember like seeing dad by himself for the first time. He was, he, he was just laughing. I walked out the house and we never spoke. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. We never spoke. I remember walking. He had this laugh, and he had this way. And he and he had this way of laughing of just like when you knew he was laughing. It was kind of man, you're fucked. Like you're royally fucked, right? Go get get out, boom boom, come walk down the steps, and he's like, <laughs> and I was like looking. I was like, what the fuck is he laughing? Because he still he saw me start laughing. I was like, that's weird, you know. That's, that's something's wrong with that. And he he kept laughing. And he said, well, just so you know, it's about to get kind of dark. <laughs> I was like, all right. And Jonathan Esther's mom, I, 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 I wasn't present for this conversation. But Jonathan Esther's mom, because of course he snitched on all of us, right? And uh, Jonathan's mom came to my mom and was like, hey, you should help me pay for this and blah, blah, blah. And because Jonathan Esther did snitch, but Jonathan Esther told the entire truth. So he was technically the one behind the wheel. We were just in the car. You know, he had to be the one to actually steal the keys, et cetera, et cetera. We couldn't go into his house and steal the Well, we could have, but, I mean, we couldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? We just didn't do it. And so um, my mom said, no, we're not paying for anything because if he's driving, then what are we paying for? You're the one who wrecked it. And so I remember seeing him again. Maybe this is like a couple weeks later now. Mind you, I had no clue that conversation even happened, right? I just, because Jonathan Esther was so... He was always in trouble. So, like, legitimately, you would go two weeks without seeing him. It wasn't a big deal because it's like his, his mom's kind of, you know, whatever. So, 
this is not surprising. So anyways, saw him again, and he was like, boy, you die as a bullet. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is happening right now, right? And that's when he told me everything that happened. And I was like, ah, makes sense, makes sense. But my mom never brought it to me, though. My mom's never brought that to me, which was crazy because at the time, she used to come into the house after when she got off of work, and she would look in the trash and be like, did you eat anything today? I'm like, what the fuck? Why are you looking in the trash, you dumpster diver, you psychopath? You know, so that was kind of interesting there in itself. That was kind of an interesting dynamic. Anyways, uh, I remember he would take us out sometimes all day, put us in the, put us in the house, like, to help, to help him, to help, air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, because I'm doing air quotes, to help him clean. And he wouldn't clean, he would just disappear. He would be gone until like midnight, and then we'd come back. We we're exhausted, and he and he would, he would just be laughing, you know. Um, just a great guy, heart of gold. Like raised five kids that weren't his own, um, none biological, but uh, all I I know I can say I can speak for all of us for sure by saying that he he gave us. He gave us all more than he had to. He he wanted to do it. It wasn't like he was forced to do anything. He just would do it, you know? And um, he did it gladly. And I don't think people realize how important that is when you step up, like, and just do something to help somebody and asking for nothing in return. That's so rare in this world. And he did it. He did it for five kids that weren't his. And, um, just, just a bit sad, but I definitely wanted to give him his flowers because he deserves them. And I know he's in a better place and I know he's in a healthier place. Uh, no more pain. So to both of those Kings, to both of those men, to both of those fathers, to both of those husbands, to both of those sons, all the stuff that they, that they were, I say, rest in peace. Peace, King, and hopefully I see you soon. Now, I'm not going to play the intro. I think it's going to be kind of a little weird. So you're going to hear some silence, and then we're going to go into the Black Panther Wakanda Forever review. And just to give you guys some programming notes, Nico did not get a chance to watch the movie, so this is my solo review. Whenever he does get the opportunity to watch it, we will eventually do it. That could be next week or a month from now. It just depends on whatever we do. I will get him on the show one last time. Um, I did get a chance to finish the uh, Black uh, the uh, excuse me uh, Blacklist season nine, so I will review that and we will finish the year out with those episodes that we did not finish. Um, but um, yeah, just remember, guys, when you hear a silence, it's not anything wrong. I'm gonna it's probably gonna be a few seconds of silence. Then we're going to get into the show. So, the I'm so chemical. This is, I see things a little differently. Talk to you soon. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. I am the slow chemical. This is your Wednesday show. This is your Black Panther Wakanda forever review. Um, you may be getting two of these. I'm recording one solo, and Nico is going to come on, and we're going to do one together. 
So it might be back to back. We'll see how that goes. But anyways, I'm recording this one just in case I can't get uh, Nico on uh, for one last shot this year. Um, I did see the movie. I watched it on Sunday. I actually avoided everything. Um, let's start with the post credit scene where it is revealed that T'Challa has a son called T'Challa. And that was being raised in Haiti by Nakia uh, away from the pressures of the throne and um, the mantle. Um, I thought that was a fitting into it. Obviously, he's nowhere near going to be in any kind of action or whatever like that. Um, I did like how he set it up, how um, in the film you see when Ramonda, Queen Ramonda goes to Haiti to retrieve Nakia. Like, like you don't, I didn't put the connection together. Like, how did she even know Nakia was in Haiti, you know, and, and stuff like that. And um, even her even asking her why she wasn't at the funeral and there's a bunch of misdirection, which was good, but um, I obviously gave closure to Shuri, who was uh, the main focal point in this story. But Angela Bassett is the one that stole the show. She had an Oscar warning, Oscar winning award performance. Um, she was the heart of this movie. Um, just her dealing with the grief and her still still having to lead. Uh, showing the class and grace with ruthlessness, she needed the show to do what she, she, every move she made, she knew she had to do, and she knew her time was coming to an end. You know, um, that just was the one of the best parts about this movie. But essentially, we start the movie off with <clears throat> uh, Shuri trying to find a cure for T'Challa's mystery illness, and it's a playoff real life because apparently no one knew except for a few people that, um, Chadwick Boseman was going through uh, colon cancer by himself or with his family. Um, and so, like, they don't ever <clears throat> mention, <clears throat> excuse me, mention the illness and um, in the first t- 10 minutes or that. And then we see the, the whole funeral procession. And then uh, we go to a year later where now you still see Shuri grieving in a, her um, just in her lab. And, um, then you see Ramonda taking her to just a quiet place and just they can burn their, <clears throat> excuse me, burn their, uh, their funeral garments, which is tradition. <clears throat> Sorry, geez, I was not doing any of this before. <laughs> uh, so excuse me, I apologize. Um, and so all of a sudden that's when you see the first real appearance of Neymar. You see him earlier in the movie, but you see him in the shadows. Um, after some, uh, Agents find vibranium. They try to run away. Neymar and um, the Tachyons. I'm saying that name wrong. I was going to say Atlantis because it makes it easier because I can't say that word. Um, the Atlanteans just kind of, they, they they destroy their ship and they kill him. But this is where we first see Neymar who comes out of the water. And he gives the most backhanded compliment about uh, how beautiful things are, how the air is, and how... Um, why would you guys have a reason to give up your secret? Because no one knows of the Atlanteans. And so he feels it's put them at risk, which kind of true. Um, and so essentially he says, hey, you need to bring me the scientists and so I can kill them. And so uh, Ramon is like, well, there's no way you have vibra- vibranium. vibranium. And uh, sure like, he is, he's draped in it. And so this is something different, you know, that they've had today have two nations that are equal going and fighting with vibranium. 
And I, one of the elders even brought that up to say, hey, you know, like we never fought someone that had the same tech that we have, which obviously made them have concern. Um, once this happens, then we transition to uh, where MIT is. Uh, Tony uh, Stark's alma mater and where Riri Williams makes her first MCU appearance and how um, you see that she's a 19-year-old. She's doing a bunch of tech stuff. She's getting paid on the side. And um, that's when you were introduced to... And actually, um, Okoye uh, convinces Ramonda, Queen Ramonda, to let Shuri come on this trip with her. And they end up meeting in, um, I think... Riri had a great appearance. Um, did, uh, did it give me hype to see her show? Not really. You know, I'm not a big Ironheart follower. I know the the history. I know the I've read the first stories of hers. Um, but you know, but uh, I'm gonna watch the show. But it wasn't. A, I, but I, I didn't feel a need to say, man, that this made me need to watch this show. I just it's cool. Um, it's coming and but she had a great appearance here. And you see, she's sarcastic. You see. Um, I'm sure you have a connection. Um, and so they end up getting into a car chase. And so I actually watched a review. I think it was New Rock Stars. And he made a good, Eric Voss made a good point when he said, the reason why they leave Wakanda is just to get the Wakandans out of their atmosphere. Like how we saw uh, when they approached uh, Claw. And you saw them having to go in, uh, in, in disguise in the first one. He was like, that was just a way to get them, us out of Wakanda for a few minutes. I felt the same way about this. I felt that I never thought of it that way, but I felt the same way about this scene. These scenes, it was like, okay, cool. I see, I see what you guys are doing, and okay, it's cool. That's whatever, right? And so this was just a car chase, or whatever, and which leads uh, to uh, a great fight scene that apparently took four months to shoot alone, where you have Okoye, which is one of the generals of Atlantis, and they're heavily matched, and Okoye is not used to dealing with people who have vibranium. So you see her concern, but she's still a great warrior, but she has lack of confidence. Well, she ends up getting knocked into the water. They're about to kill Riri until Shuri says she's a prince of Wakanda. I demand you take me to where you are. And so they end up taking Riri Williams and Shuri, which then leaves Okoye to go back to Wakanda empty-handed. And then Queen Ramonda has one of the best scenes in the fucking movie. Where she makes, well, she forces Akoya to turn her shield in, and or her uh, not staff. I'm gonna say staff because I can't remember the word. She forces her to turn her staff in, and uh, one of the old elders says, "Well, she she turned her knife or her spear. That's what I'm thinking about. She turned her spear in her own husband." And Ramona said, "Well, considering that her husband was a traitor, and so was she." Where you see the callbacks. And if you remember in the first Black Panther, when Nakia was trying to convince Okoye to leave with them, she says, I'm loyal not to who is on the throne, but I'm loyal to the throne. Which means you can't be loyal to T'Challa if you're only loyal to who's ever on the throne. And Ramona brings this up. Ramona says, yeah, I had to go beg the Jabari for help while she stood here by Killmonger's side. I have lost my daughter, my husband. I've lost my entire family. Have I not suffered enough? And so, was Okoye wrong? No, but she def, but she convinced Ramonda to let her bring Shuri with her. So that was on her at that point. But I love the callbacks, and I love how the 
even though technically it's been years in this world, because remember, we had a five-year jump, you know? So it's been years, six, seven years since the events of Killmonger, and that still is something that she's better about, how many people turned on her. And I, I just love the performances of Angela Bassett, just a strong, not just woman, but fucking human being. Standing her ground and saying, this is what it is, right? And so um, she then recruits Nakia. And it goes to the part we talked about at the beginning. She goes to Haiti, she recruits Nakia. And Nakia ends up being one of the master spies. Ends up finding Shuri. Now, before we get there, Shuri and Neymar have a talk where Neymar uh, tells the or his origin story. And how you see how... Uh, one of the herb-shaped hearts was actually sent to other parts of the world, which means this, there's no telling where other vibranium, vibranium is. But this herb-shaped heart was in the water. And so many people took it, and when they woke up, they couldn't breathe air. And so they had to go in water. When they got in water, they went from being blue to normal color, but then they had to find home down in the water because they couldn't be there. Um, Shurin's was saying she wants to see the nation, and she put she puts on a suit, and... Uh, it's a flying, you know, seeing this underground Atlantis. I know it's in the name. I'm, I just can't pronounce the, 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 the what the, the, new, the new name they made up for it. But it's a beautiful city. You see the life. You see it's just an underwater Wakanda. You see the people and everything like that. Um, and so Neymar and Shuri have this connection. And Neymar ends up giving Shuri his mother's bracelet. Now, this bracelet is key. At the beginning of the movie, I didn't say this, but at the beginning of the movie, essentially, uh, she can't find a way to reproduce the herb-shaped heart. And so, um, because remember, Killmonger burned it all. And so, um, they disagree about the the way everything should go and blah, blah, blah. Well, Ramonda plans a trap for Neymar, uh, and he doesn't know it. You know, he's still trying to make this partnership because he wants to attack the, the surface world. He wants to do it before they can attack him, which technically he's not really wrong there. Because we find out that uh, Martin Freeman's character, matter of fact, because I keep saying Everett Roth, and I don't think that's his name. I know it's not his name. Um, let, me just get his, let me just get his character name, excuse me. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, I am getting it right. So Everett Ross, uh, we end up finding out that he is formally married to Val. And so this is the part where people felt it was shoehorned in, which it was. I understand it, though, for the bigger scope of the MCU, for us to see the connection between those two, but also the ending, I think it's key for the ending. Anyways, so Everett's been communicating with Ramonda and telling her what's going on, even though the Kamoyo beads that Shuri left for him have been bugged. And now he was bugged because, you know, Val knew his connection to the Wakandans. Um, but what we, but the thing is we don't realize is when Neymar first meets Shuri, she has no Kamoyo beads on. So for Neymar, it's nothing for him to take note of. because She has Kamoyo beads on her earrings, Kamoyo beads on her wrists. But she doesn't have them because Ramona doesn't make her keep them. So for her to have earrings, it's not a big surprise, even though that's where, how she's being tracked. So Nakia finds her and saves her but kills one of the guards in the process 
Shuri tries to save her, but she says this will be more. Nikki ends up grabbing her or whatever. So Nakia brings her back. And it I, the thing I loved about this was it wasn't like it was two days, two, three days. No, this was immediately the attack they had. And so you could tell on the beach when Ramonda um, and Namor face to face for the second to last time. You could tell Ramonda knew. She's like, I got to do this and he's going to probably come hurt us. But I need my daughter back. She at least needed her daughter back before she passed away. And so Neymar attacks and then uh, Baku, after saving some people and getting rid of one of the Takiolans, well, the Atlanteans. See, I can't say it right. He says, that's the fishman. That's the fishman. And he flies, he's, he's on a boat. And so he, he's boating over and he jumps off. Neymar doesn't even look, breaks his little weapon and then he punches him right in his chest plate, destroying the chest plate, sending M'Baku flying. He's laid out. He's done for the first part of the fight. This entire uh, scene was just us seeing how powerful Neymar is and how badass he is, right? So, um, next thing you know, it's Riri and it's uh, Ramonda in, in the throne room. And, and Neymar tries to spear through it. He can't get through it. And then Ramonda knows what's coming next. She looks at him, tells Riri to get out. Riri like, starts to run. She says, no, with it. She's like, what, without you? That's when Neymar throws something into the room, which destroys it. And they end up both getting, um, going underwater. And Ramonda wakes up. And she's underwater. And she could have just um, swam up. But I was about to say drove up. She could just swam up, but instead she goes and saves Riri, which means now that connection with the Wakandans is set in stone. Saves Riri, but in the process she dies. Well, Neymar then makes sure he crushes. Now she's dead. Now you're queen. You have one week to, to kneel and blah, blah. He's just talking. So I had one person tell me this one time ago, a long time ago. It's one thing to kick someone's ass or do something to them. You don't want them to kick your ass and talk shit as they're doing it, right? And so Neymar is just at the highest of the highs. And the thing I loved how the, the, the actor who plays Neymar was like, he's not really the villain. Nah, homie, you were the villain of this entire film. Like you, dude, within the first 10 minutes or 15, whatever it is, it's, a, it's in the first, it's definitely in the first 15 minutes. You're already threatening people, homie. You are the bad guy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Literally, you're the bad guy, right? So um, then the... The Atlantis go away, right? They've destroyed Wakanda. They've invaded Wakanda. It was a hell of a scene to see Wakanda at their knees. Mind you, no one knows what's really going on because no one could see inside Wakanda. So no one actually knows what's going on. They just know it's some type of disturbance in Wakanda. They're planning to attack Wakanda. Val wants all the vibranium she can get. This all this makes is interesting because the connections in the MCU. Bucky is connected to the Wakandans. Captain America is connected to the Wakandans. All of this is just fascinating to me. Anyways, um, after a loss, M'Baku and Shuri talk, and uh, Shuri reminds M'Baku that he thinks she's a kid, and he said, you can't be a kid because the world's taking too much from you already, so you can no longer be a child. And so essentially you see that connection between those two now. 
And then you talk, you see Nakia, Riri, and Shuri um, finally make, she finally realizes, her and Riri finally realize Namor's weakness. Anytime he comes out of the water, he would do some damage and then go back in. That was just making him stronger. So they come up with this plan. Essentially, it's a suicide mission. But they said he can't do it without the Black Panther. So they end up recreating the Herb State Heart. And I'm saying that wrong, I know, but I can't say it right. And so um, she takes it and goes to Astral Plane, where we get the... I think everyone saw this coming. I mean, I, I actually called this entire fucking movie. Actually, Jonathan Esther. I said Ramonda would die. And I said Killmonger would make a, a, a visit. And... Uh, Killmonger did made an appearance, Michael B. Jordan, and they have this standoff where he shits on the elders, and he he stop he stops shitting on the Black Panthers until it comes to him and T'Challa, because he feels like those two were the two most uh, powerful Black Panthers, right? And once again, I'm gonna use Eric Voss's take on this. So I thought it was an interesting take. He said he just was. This is his take. He felt the reason why the room was the way it was is because Killmonger, his vision of Astral Plane would be that he would be on the throne with no one around him. As to where if you've seen other Astral Planes, like the one with T'Challa, it's filled with other Black Panthers of the past and life and stuff like that. And so you see this face-off this face between the two. And finally, Shuri wakes up and she's mad that she saw Killmonger and not her mom. And so she ends up punching this thing, and that's when they realize that they work, and she has the black powers of Black Panther. Well, after the attack on Wakanda, they all get sent to the Jabari. And all of a sudden, they're all talking, convening, seeing what they can do. Shuri ships, comes down. She is, like, you see the new Black Panther suit, all that stuff. And then you see that uh, she's done it, right? And then you see a uh, kind of a face-off between... Mbaku and Shuri, where he, Mbaku's like, I, I don't want war. I don't want war my rest of my life. And she said, well, it doesn't matter. He, he he started this. So we see this plan where it's a complete suicide mission. Like, I get if you guys were to say, hey, why would they do it? It's, it's, it's They don't say the word suicide mission, but it's, I think, pretty well known that it's a fucking suicide mission. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, they went in there. It, it all banked on Shuri killing Neymar. You know, so they end up trapping Neymar. He ends up getting hot. You see him kind of weak. And then this leads to one of the best fight scenes in MCU history, in my opinion. One of the best fight scenes because it was brutal. This was a blood feud. This is what the the epitome of like hell in a cell should be. Like this wasn't any um, just using powers. That was too, but this was fists being blown. It, this was what a fight should be. And um, you see Shuri use her claws to take off one of the, the feathers of his, of his ankle. Scratches on his face. He spears her with a vibr vibranium spear, which makes sense because it would go through the vibranium. Um, but she ends up pulling it out. like cause she. And then one of the final moments is she uses her tech to say Wakanda forever and, and blows up. Um, one of the machines, which just dries out Neymar at the end. He's, he's just done. She puts the spear to his throat, and that's when she goes to the astral plane to see her mom. And her mom says, uh, show them who you are. And she tells him to yield, and they will protect the secret. Because once again, no one knows that these people exist. It's just Wakandans. And so um, he yields. And so right as the Wakandans are too overmatched, 
uh, on the ocean. Um, and they're all prepared to die, by the way. Um, Black Panther and Neymar fly in and say that the fight's over. And just to, to give you as a side plot as well, the Midnight Angels make their appearance. I didn't remember Okoye being a part of the Midnight Angels. I remember the other one. I can't remember her name's not Akia. It's, uh, it's, it's something. I can't remember her name exactly. But I remember her being a part of it. I thought it was her and her lover, though, that was a part of it. Either way, um, Midnight Angels made an appearance here. Uh, all the entire last scene, last fight scenes were just awesome. Were just awesome. The fight scenes were awesome in general, but to me, I think that was one of the best MCU fights of all time. It it had to be. This dude and this whole movie had consequences. Everett Ross was holding the information back. He was arrested. Ramonda made a decision to invade uh, Atlantis. She got killed. You know, like she saved a life in the process. She got killed. And I even love what Killmonger said. When, when he was checking Shuri, he said, no, don't you dare take that from your mother. She saved that. She saved a life. You're going to take it away from her? You should never do that. That was one of the that was one of the best scenes in this movie was that face-off between Killmonger and her. Because um, Shuri was still angry. You know, and probably so, more so at T'Challa for not telling his secret. You know, but it's his secret to keep. You know, if, you're, if you want to pass away in peace, pass away in peace, dude. You know, um... So, anyways, overall, I thought this was a very strong attempt. A very strong attempt. It's the, you can't compare the two movies. They're two different movies because one was the building of this universe. This one was the healing of this universe, not just for the movie, not just for the the actors, but for the fans, for the executives, so people who were banking on this movie, and for and people who are friends with Chadwick Boseman. So I would never compare these two movies. They're just two different movies in two different directions. Um, but to my point of things being shoehorned in, yes, the Everett stuff was shoehorned in. But the very last scene from Neymar in the movie, when one of his, uh, I'm assuming she's a lover, was like, hey, I can't, the thought of you yielding, it just hurts my soul. He was like, look here. And the whole time he's painting, and you see this dope painting of him versus Black Panther. He gives probably the biggest compliment. He says, no, me yielding saved our people because Black Panther had no reason to save me or to spare me. But now that I know this, I can recognize that Black Panther is the most powerful person on the surface area. And now he has no, she has no allies. She needs us. So she can never turn her back on us. She has nobody. And they're right because Americans just were going to say they were going to go and to invade America. I mean, invade Wakanda. And so, think about that. He sees her as the most powerful being on the earth. On the surface level, excuse me. And now he knows that he has the security and their resources and their resources in, in, in Atlantis, which are really powerful resources. And so, he, he made a good point there. And so, it's one of those things where Everett was needed because now they broke him free, right? Okoye did. But if you look at the people who the Wakandans have done stuff for, both Captain Americas, or two of the three Captain Americas, Bucky, Ross, those are four allies. Once again, just four people. But that those are but four. I'm sure we're going to see more of this because Captain America is flying around in Wakanda tech. 
Bucky is punching people in Wakanda tech. Like, this, this, this is four people, but we know how much the Wakandans have done. And we know that... We know they're close. With, we, we know that they're not close, but we know that the Hulk's been no con. Like, we just know certain things. I will say this, though. A good point someone else made. What if Everett Ross is a scroll? What if all that was just for show? Everett Ross is in Secret Invasion next year. So if he's on the run, which is a scene we probably saw, where did Okoye take him? Why wouldn't she bring him back to um, Wakanda? All of this is leading up to a sh- complete fucking shit show. And I can't wait. To, I can't finish. I can't wait to watch how it's all unfolds. So, um, I thought it was good, man. I, I'll give it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was good. I really did. I, I'm, I'm very happy with the way I saw and proud of the t- those, those cast and crew members that had to. I'm sure every every I'm sure every day was emotional, an emotional toll that, that took that took a, a toll. So um, emotional t- or emotional that took a toll on them. So um, that is the Wakanda Forever review. I'm so chemical. Um, yeah, Wakanda Forever. I guess. You have a good one. I'll talk to you guys next Monday.